Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. I hope you're doing all right out there. We're... A tough point in Ravens history here because one of our favorite players, Orlando Brown, uh, up on the trading block, uh, perhaps of his own design here. The Ravens have told him, go out and seek your own trade. We're going to talk about that a little tonight. And uh, joining me on the show tonight is Cole Jackson. Cole, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. It's It's been a while since we've gotten a chat. I'm looking forward to going through this topic. Oh, sounds good. First of all, tell people about your Twitter handle up front, and then we can uh, we can plug anything on the back end here. Absolutely. So I'm doing a little bit of freelance work now. So I'm at Cole Jackson NFL, and I'll just be doing uh, my content on Twitter from now on. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, so I want to refer people first to the podcast that came out, what will be yesterday or today. It's funny in the podcast word because we're recording one day before this will probably be actually loaded. And look back, please, to the Orlando Brown of the Zeus Trade Value podcast because some of the work we went through to try and do a draft capital approximation for the value 
of Orlando Brown. And it looks at a few different factors, the comp pick the Ravens will get, how much his fourth year is worth relative to cap, that sort of things. But we came up with something in the range of the 31st to 40th overall pick, which would be between 500 and 600 points of JJ value, um, Jimmy Johnson draft chart value. I'm getting a little bit of reverb here from you, Cole. You hearing this at all? Uh, nope. Okay, we'll just continue on. Hopefully, this is not a problem here. And my my mic coming through okay on your headset. I hear perfectly. Yeah, sound clear. All right. All right. Sounds good. You sound good too. But it's it's like I'm getting my own voice again. All right. We'll continue. Um. So part of the issue with that complicates any sort of valuation discussion is if you're on Twitter or you're anywhere else and people are discussing things, they only really can think of a player in terms of how good he is when you exchange him for something else. So I'd never give up Orlando Brown for a second round pick, you'll hear said. But that's not really the way football works. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I think uh, I, I've been I've been trying to monitor expectations on Twitter. Um, I've tweeted a few times that I think if people are expecting you know the multiple first round picks uh, coming back for Orlando Brown Jr. similar to Laramie Ten- Tunsil, it's they're they're going to end up disappointed. And one thing I think is a little bit different with trade value is it doesn't seem to work the same as salary cap or when we set the market with a uh with a contract it it they're, they're sort of every trade seems to be a little bit different. I know there's some general guidelines. And one thing I think you did really well was uh, was nailing the JJ trade value chart. I use it all the time. I think it's a great resource, evidence based. It's it's really great. And so it's a good way of looking at draft picks. But when we're looking at players and players that go into packages, it's not necessarily um, a proven science in terms of finding that value. But I think what you guys did really well, and I really encourage everyone to go back and listen because I thought it was phenomenal, is I see GMs doing that same process in terms of trying to go through things like approximate value, you know, weighing in all these options to try and find that sweet spot of where they value a guy. Um, so I, I thought that was really well done, but I think people are focusing too much on former trades when they won't necessarily turn out like that. Right. It's, I, I'm, the point I was really getting at, I was kind of trying to tee you up with, is that the Ravens don't own Orlando Brown's future. They, they only have him for 2021. After that, he becomes a market value player. He'll either sign here for a deal or he'll sign somewhere else for a deal. But at that point, he will be signed for pretty much for an optimal Orlando Brown value. It'll accommodate him. It'll, it's, the, it's the goal of every rookie contract player to get to that second contract, get you know fully compensated on that second contract. And, you know, intelligently, I think Zeus would like to do that right now, would like to realize the, the value he has in a contract that he can sign a year early right now. And it, the fact of the matter is the, the Ravens have one cheap year of Orlando Bound play, and they have a comp pick they get in return for him. And then they have these these market frictions which exist. So the ability to sign somebody for the franchise tag when he might be worth more, or the ability to use the franchise tag to help them leverage a long-term contract. But they don't really have a lot of components of value remaining on Orlando Brown because they don't own a lot of his future. Right. And and that franchise tag year, I think something we need to remember is 
we see holdouts when guys get put on the franchise tag, right? So mm-hmm. they own him, I guess, in technical terms, but you may be paying a $14 million. I'm just going off Dan's numbers. I know it changes every year, but roughly $14, $15 million uh, franchise tag value to a guy that's holding out. So he's not even you know putting in games for you. So you're still playing a replacement level player there in that spot. And I think that's an important consideration when we look at the control the Ravens do have over um, Brown. Because I know there's been a lot of talk about the Ravens have all the leverage. And I do think in this scenario, they have quite a bit of leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we as much as we have that franchise tag, having a miserable player, you know, locked into the fourth year and then on a franchise tag isn't all that favorable to the Ravens. What, I think we could agree. Oh, no, it's, it's a very small. I, I'd estimate a 5% increment to the value of 2021 only. Uh, Dan, Dan Reese, who was my partner last night, thought it was about 10%. You know, between our two evaluations, it's not a big deal. But it's whether he's worth 1.05 or 1.07 or 1.1 times as much as the difference between what his play level is and the $3.6 million he's going to earn next year. And by the way, every franchise is run in this way with at least this in the backdrop i think the ravens it's in the foreground it is the number one item they look at is value relative to cap for each player and you got one year value you got multi-year value but in, in brown's case they're definitely looking at this and they're saying boy i mean this this is a good situation but we have a whole lot of players coming due on their free agency uh in 2022 and that's one of the reasons i think they they, they might consider this but i want to go back to to your side of this and i'm saying your side because we really have this came about this short came about as as part of a discussion on Twitter where Cole and I were saying, I'd rather have the draft picks and I've got my reasons that I'll give for that. But Cole says, no, I'd rather have a player. The Ravens have a window now. Take us through your logic on that, Cole. Absolutely. So what I'm looking at with the Ravens, and it's mostly the age of the players that they have on offense. They have a super young offense. The approach over the last couple of years, going back to about 2018, has been, and I believe that's the year Eric DaCosta took over, and it seems that his philosophy has been draft your offense by your defense. And we've seen that through the residual moves that have come out each offseason. We've seen some big free agent deals, some big trades on the defensive side of the ball. And we've seen some heavy draft investment on the offensive side of the ball. Now, of course, we drafted Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison pretty high last year. But when you go back, you see, you know, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown Jr. Then you see Marquise Brown come out. And then, you know, J.K. Dobbins, like all these young guys have come in. And so I'm looking at... If we trade Orlando Brown Jr. and we get a pick, so let's, I mean, I don't want to fret too much over the value, but let's just say we get the 40th overall pick just for Mm -hmm. fun. So we're going to probably have to draft an offensive tackle now, of course, with our one of our first three picks, which would be a first and two seconds. So we're now also looking for a center. So it's like, are we going to add two rookies onto our offensive line that's already really young? Well, we still kind of want to get a wide receiver. So like, all I see is us having to inject more youth into an already young group. Now, the the counter to this is, you know, there could be a residual move where they where they draft a center or they sign a center or. Yeah, here's what I'm going to say to all of this. Yes, the Ravens have lots of needs. But Brown wasn't going to address all those other positional needs. It's not fair to map the center or the wide receiver or their inside linebacker shortfalls to Brown. It's just, you know, he he can only address one position and he can address more if you trade him for players. And if that's your point, then that, that could be valid. But it's it's a matter of 
you know, you can you can you can get there via draft picks or you can get there via acquired players. Right. But I see what I the, I guess the way I see it is we're adding another position that needs to be filled by a rookie on the offense when we could trade him for like. So, for example, say the Jaguars were working out a trade and they get a Juwan Taylor and a later pick that draft value. When you look at Taylor using the process you guys outlined last mm-hmm. night at plus that pick, maybe it works out to roughly what we deemed Orlando Brown Jr.'s value to be if we go through that same process. But we're then getting a guy who started, we have NFL tape on him. He's not going to be a rookie stepping into the role. Now apply that same logic to a center or a wide receiver. And I think that's how I'm looking at it is I, I get concerned about just adding more youth. I'd rather get more like an older player that has some experience so that we're not relying on too many young players to fill crucial needs. Okay. Well, Jawan Taylor is, would be a reasonable selection because he's a second year player. He just finished his second year. So he gives the Ravens a little bit more time. He's only a year behind Brown though. But the, the, the the reason that I like the draft picks better is because they're going to allow the Ravens to reset a lot of this contract stack they have from that great 2018 draft. And by the way, that process has already started. When they when they unloaded Hayden Hurst for a second last offseason, didn't seem like all that great a trade. It was okay, but didn't seem like a great trade. But the reason that they did it in part was to undo part of that stacking of contracts that was all going to come due at the same time. A Brown move would be another similar move. It would still leave them with two enormous contracts and three smaller ones to work out among players that are getting to their second contract in the same year. And so they still have Jackson Andrews to figure out, and they still have Bozeman, Elliott, and Averett, who are lesser deals uh, to figure out. They'd have to figure out what they're doing with Gus Edwards and Board as well. But they have a lot of contracts and a lot of players coming due at the same time. And I I definitely get the point there. So it's kind of like... I I try not to focus on the window because I think you can build sustainable teams that'll compete year in year out. And I don't try and I don't make that argument very often. It's actually kind of funny because usually I'm with your line of thinking. I love getting the draft picks um, and and the four cheaper contract years of a rookie deal are super valuable. But it's just the way this team has been performing, the way the offensive line has been performing, and in, in the playoffs, it, it really comes back to you know are they too young? And and, you know, maybe I guess it's just like, you know, I get I get nightmares of marching out a rookie center and a rookie right tackle. And maybe that's not the right way to look at it. And it is doing a little too much assuming. And I think that was what your point is, is we can't say Brown Jr. leaving is going to you know result in X, Y and Z down the road in terms of a starting offensive line or starting mm-hmm. offense point taken for sure. I It's just that fear of having even more youth into an already young group when I think we need to add some veteran linchpins. Okay, so offensive veterans, and this team is is short on veterans on offense, and they're very obviously inexpensive in terms of cap. One of the things that's going to happen to happen have to happen to the Ravens over the next couple of years is they're going to have to shift a lot of money from defense to offense. That's going to be very painful. People don't realize just how painful it's going to be. It's going to mean breaking up the defensive line as it is right now. Players, Campbell certainly not going to be around, but Wolf, uh, you know, may not be around, and Williams almost certainly will not be around. And the, and they're going to have to, you know, rebuilding that line is going to take a bunch of draft picks to basically get the youth that they need, or it's going to take some bargain hunting 
this offseason when players are available to be had cheap. And by the way, that's another point here, Cole, is that the Ravens have some cap dollars. If they don't go and, and waste it on one big lollipop here, there are a lot of little attractive bargain free agents in that middle class who are going to be available during this free agency. And that's a good example of a, of a kind of the middle ground, I think is, you know, maybe they trade Brown jr for the draft pick and we turn that into a younger guy. But then, like I said, maybe it's, you know, I mean, Corey Lindsley is a bad example because he's probably more in that premium. Exactly. And so, but you know, there are some cheaper guys you can find. I mean, the bills found a guy like, you know, Daryl Williams, who's going to get, you know, not too big of a contract and he is a free agent right now. So that could be a good example of a right tackle. You could go get where you're looking at maybe seven, 8 million rather than upwards of over 10, 12 million. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking a lot less this year for, for, for starters. I think Judon, if he signs for one year this year is going to, my over under, I know it'd be about $9 million. The market's just way down for everybody. And it's true that the, the, a lot of the upper echelon players will still get some big deals, but I think that the, the, Deals are going to be much smaller, and there's going to be many, many more vet minimum prove-it deals because the the teams that are rich only have so many total roster spots they can fill. They have a numbers game internally that they can't go spend $3 million to outbid everybody else who can only afford a million and a half to buy these nice guys like Pernell McPhee, say, uh, that, that, that are good players, but – you know, there's just not a lot of demand for them across the league, and they and they fall somewhere outside of the number that they would go for on the top edge rushers. So Bowser, Judon, I think I think there'll be demand for Judon, but it won't be the, what it would have been in a previous year. If he signs for multiple years, I think it's probably 11 million or something, just to keep it to that one example. Yeah, no, no, that makes perfect sense. And I mean, we can apply that to the offensive line. I was doing a little bit of looking and we're not seeing a whole lot of quality guys hitting free agency this year. I don't think anyway, Um, a couple of guys are coming off the franchise tag that could like a a Joe Tooney out of uh, New England is going to hit the market most likely. Um, I saw Jamison Hensley predicted him as our big free agent and I'll give Hensley credit. He's two for two in the last two seasons in terms of predicting uh, the Ravens signing or getting Clay's Campbell. And uh, I can't remember Earl Thomas. Yeah. And uh, so like, and that's what I mean. Like, you know, maybe my fear is overstated in terms of, you know, ending up with the two rookies. I just have, I I think it really has hurt us in the playoffs in the last couple of years in terms of not having, you know, that veteran presence that can kind of, you know, stand up and calm everyone down. And I, that's, that's what just gives me serious pause with, uh, with adding, you know, another draft pick that's going to result in a rookie and lead to a really young offense coming out the door. Introducing the Lowe's list for innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. 
Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. You know, in a, in a lot of ways, I don't think having a right tackle or a right guard or even a center who is a veteran is going to calm you down in the way you need for, for a playoff win. I think it's all got to be at the quarterback position if you're really talking about that. You know, you, if... It, it, Russell Wilson, Joe Montana. If you got him, great. That he'll he'll get you through those kind of moments. If if you don't, and you have to just lean on the talent of the team. I mean, this has been an incredibly talented Ravens offense. It does not need a rebuild from ground from ground zero. We definitely agree there, and that's definitely not what I would suggest. And that's why, like, my ideal scenario is is keeping Orlando Brown Jr. and getting the value out of this next mm-hmm. uh, this next year. Um, so that's my prefer. I wish they could, you know, sit down and be like. Like we, we hear you, we get what you're saying, you know, give us one more year and then, you know, go get your bag next year when the market is a little bit more normal. Hopefully anyway, I guess we don't know, but um, you know, that's still going to be my preferred scenario. And this is something I tweeted about recently was the a factor in an Orlando Brown junior trade. And you guys talked about this yesterday is the drop off from who your right tackle would be if Orlando Brown Jr. is and who it is going to be if you trade him. We don't usually think about that in trade packages, but that's something that we need to consider because this team is ready to contend right now and it's ready to be a consistent playoff team. So, you know, it's one of our strengths right now is having those two linchpin tackles that you know you're going to get strong performances out game in, game out. And then, you know, if we lose that and we downgrade there, that impacts their whole offense. I love them both. I love Stanley. I love Brown. Stanley is the better player in terms of his ability to to uh, hold that left edge. Brown has benefited a lot from who Jackson is, particularly on the right side. Now, I was very impressed with how he played on the left side, and he had a really good pass blocking year this year. Uh, but he's he's still not Stanley there. What I would say is that if if Brown thinks he's a left tackle. And the Ravens believe he can also play left tackle too, but they're have to play him at right tackle because they've got Ronnie Stanley. Then it may really be reasonable for them to try and go out and harvest the value of Brown playing at left tackle by trading him to another team that can utilize him there. And yeah. And, the value. and that's uh, one thing that doesn't really, I guess, Get me, and you guys hit this last night. Is that comp pick that we'd be talking about if 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 Orlando Brown Jr. plays out next year and then goes get and gets the comp pick? That's not coming down to our team until 2023. And it's like when you put it like that, it's like wow, that's not that appetizing right now. And then you know Dan hit it, um, or you guys both hit it. That's we're looking at like pick 102. It's a third round pick, but it's at the very end of the. It's basically where we got Tyree Phillips. Um, so I mean, you can get a good player there but it's still not I, I obviously it's a third round pick it's a third round pick but it's it's outside of the top 100 most likely so that kind of diminishes it a little bit so you know it really does come down to what you think about that that whole window idea and you know is it worth it to lose the value because I, I agree with you we need to max out the draft pick value of trading orlando brown jr but is it worth it in terms of what your drop is going to be from your offensive line play in 2021. And I think that's kind of where I've been trying to anchor this. And that's where a lot of my concern comes from just because we have so much uncertainty, especially from center all the way over to right tackle. 
Right. I mean, it's certainly there's a lot of concerns. And if the bookends were fixed, you would be in better position. I mean, I didn't like the fact that they went into last year with only two guys who really were on the roster who could play tackle. And, you know, they put Fluker there and they and they put um, Phillips there. Neither of those worked out. Will Holden was there briefly. And then they decided in whatever wisdom that they had that they could just afford to let him go. Uh, they put him back on the practice squad, which they, they could have activated him. But they also, uh, it's rumored to me that Holden actually came back to the Ravens afterwards and said, hey, do you just want to sign me here at this point? And I think what he would have wanted is got a two-year deal that would have lasted into this year in order to stay with the Ravens at that pick. But he didn't. He wasn't lost to the Colts until he signed with them. So there, there was an opportunity there to, to try and keep a, you know, a, a true backup tackle on the roster. Uh, who, who would have, I think, been a, a reasonable option. Uh, Andre Smith, I don't think, is a reasonable option at this point. And I think they're probably going to let Fluker walk, even though he wasn't absolutely terrible at the position either. No, and I, I remember, I can't remember his name, but the tackle that was uh, either a seventh rounder or an undrafted free agent that we cut two years ago. Gregory in Sinat. And I remember you and I talking about it right after it happened, and we were both like, what is it? What are they seeing on the roster in terms of backup offensive tackles? Like, I feel like the team right now has six interior offensive linemen and two tackles, and it's it's been one of those weird blind spots through the last two off seasons, um, starting with Sinat. And I mean, Sinat hasn't turned into anything special so it's it wasn't necessarily that i thought he was this great player that we were losing it was more the roster building philosophy and i find that's Mm -hmm. been a weird blind spot with offensive tackle and you know it it bit us last year yeah it it sure did and surprisingly it bit us on the right side and not the left which is really not what i expected at all but uh but yeah it was it was surprising um i did catch one other article and by the way worth the read if you have a subscription to the athletic anyway but uh uh and a guy from the L.A. Chargers side were like talking about what a reasonable trade might be for Brown. And Zrebeck had, I think, what it was a pretty reasonable notion of it that it would, you know, they'd obviously do it for the 13th overall pick. Nobody was nobody's debating that. One thing that I've heard of is trading down in the first round. Would the Ravens do it for the trade up value between 27 and 13, which is about I think I forget if it's 470 or 570 points, but it's it's. It's in the middle. Um, it's probably not quite enough for me, but it's in the it's in that range. And then the other thing, the other thing suggested was a second and a fourth. The, the, the Chargers counterpoint to this, and this is one of these is like, why don't you just bend me over a desk and steal my wallet or worse? You know, in this case, because because basically they, they wanted to trade Mike Williams, who has a guaranteed fifteen point seven million dollar salary that he is not worth. In 2021. And those aren't my words. Those are the words of the Chargers reporter in this case saying he's not worth that money. Well, right there, that should tell you Mike Williams has negative value relative to cap. In order to give me Mike Williams at a year like this where cap is seriously constrained, you got to give me something else, not pick my pocket of Orlando Brown with a fifth rounder thrown in. Yeah, that, it just made no sense from the Ravens' perspective, and uh, you know, I, 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 it's, 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 in terms of me looking to trade for a player, Mike Williams is not that player that I'm interested yeah. in. Um, but yeah, it, it that, that's a, I, I don't think you see it as much in football. I mean, I remember there was the Brock Osweiler trade when yes. he, they, they basically carry negative value. You see it a lot in other sports. You don't see it much in football, and I think that speaks to trades in general. I mean, NFL trades just outside of the draft are just not as common. But you know that. That's uh, it, it seemed they found that middle ground with the second and fourth round pick. And I think that kind of 
is in line with your principle that you outlined last night. So, I mean, we, we were able to find something there, but uh, in terms of, uh, I don't want Mike Williams getting thrown out there uh, in terms of my thought camp, because he's not one of those guys. <laughs> but, but that's unfortunately a lot of the players that the Ravens would acquire in trade. They're not as extreme as Mike Williams, but they're, they're one year rental players. And, and they're going to carry some salary. If they're veterans, they might carry a big salary. If they're first-year contract players, they might just carry a mid-range or, or fairly low salary, probably a performance escalation in there already. But you know, they're, they're not going to necessarily carry a lot of money, but they don't, come, they don't stay for a long time either. And if they're not in the caliber of Brown, then you probably don't get a comp pick that's at the same level. So you know, it's, it's, it's not that I hate the idea of getting a player. I just really like the idea of – unstacking these contracts and getting a fresh new draft with a number of picks and where the Ravens are a little bit short right now. Well, and a name that keeps getting thrown out there that I definitely agree with your thought process on this is a guy like DJ Chark does not make sense because he's going to fit into that contract stacking that you're referring to he's a fourth year player he's going to be due next year we can't afford him so it's a, it's a one-year rental and then he's leaving for the third round pick so i mean if maybe maybe if we had a right tackle that we trusted maybe it makes sense because you're kind of in the same contract situation um you know but we're not in that situation but i'm just kind of throwing it out there but you know i think that's where we can't it, it has to be a guy like a Jawan taylor where you know you're going to get a couple extra years out of him at, on that rookie deal um to be able to get that value relative to cap which is something i'm trying to learn more about and i'm i really appreciate you guys um doing these shows and explaining it because it's uh, it's a great learning product for anybody out there but uh you know i it's going to be interesting to see what they do i want to i want to kind of formalize or crystallize something you're saying here your concern with the ravens is not that the the cra- the draft is too much of a crapshoot and the ravens won't ever get value in the players your concern is more like it's a it's a longer run value you're effectually leveling out icing from these draft picks that will go into future years not just 2021 so you want to you want to make more of a win now acquire a player pick in order to get that to work out in, in the right scenario yes i think that's a good summary of it um it's kind of like i want to find that middle ground between maxing Orlando Brown Jr.'s value because that's absolutely important and it needs to be the right trade. But I also really want to focus on making sure that this team's competitive in 2021. And I'm not saying that we can't um, do that if it is trade, if we do trade him for, you know, a high second round pick, you know, I'm sure we're going to get a great young player that we can watch the film and be very excited about, but it's, it's, where's that middle ground. And that's kind of where that Taylor plus, you know, a mid round pick kind of made sense in terms of finding the middle ground. Um, But the problem is, and this is probably your counterpoint. There's not a lot of those middle grounds out there. So finding the right trade is not going to be that, easy right it's it's very you know you, they, people don't trade first year players or players after their rookie year usually so you don't you don't usually have a lot of option value left on that you know the last point i want to make on this is that all kinds of talk on twitter about nobody about people not trusting the ravens in terms of their draft process I, i'm not mapping this to you cole but it's it's hilarious it's even ironic to me that this is coming up when we're talking about trading Orlando Brown, a player nobody else in the entire NFL liked, literally everybody passed on him. The Ravens got him at number 83, and now they don't trust the Ravens to get draft value out of additional picks they would acquire. It's, it's, it's probably one of the most non-compelling arguments about the draft I've ever heard. And, and one thing I will side with you on is this team has built the complex formula better than any team 
So they've always maximized getting extra picks, and we've always done a good job of using the next man up through acquiring talent through the draft. We're one of the most consistent teams. We've had some bad years for sure, no doubt. Every every franchise does. Overall, in the you know the history of the Ravens, very strong drafting team relative to their peers. So that is definitely an argument that I think stands on your side of the fence, um, and is a very strong one for sure. It's not that I don't trust the Ravens. It's it's a it's to me it's about you know, finding that middle ground, making sure that we're competitive in 2021, but that we also maximize Orlando Brown's trade value because I think it is pretty high. Um, and I think you guys absolutely nailed it um, in terms of where you could put a put a number on it. So, you know, it was really well done. All right. I well, appreciate that, Cole. Appreciate having you on again. And uh, let's. What else do, are you doing right now? Anything you want to plug or or uh, stories you've written recently? I'm a, I'm a free agent right now, so I'm uh, I'm just doing some freelance work, mostly leveraging my Twitter. Um, I'm going to be there's going to be an announcement coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks, but there's going to be a little bit of a a podcast uh, news on on the horizon, looking at the draft. So it's it's going to be exciting. So keep your ears out there. And again, Cole Jackson NFL on on Twitter for for my content. All right. Very good, Cole. Maybe we can have you back on for a positional review in terms of the draft. I think that'd be a lot of fun in terms of doing that. If you're if you're looking for a film study short, I uh, want to do one of those this offseason. I'm constantly recording these and 15, 20 minutes focused discussion. The, the easiest way to do it, send me three bullet points by email at filmstudy21 at verizon.net. If you do that, I guarantee you I'll be back in touch with you, and hopefully we can be in contact to, to do a show within about a day or two. We record them. Sometimes they stay in the can for a while if they're, if they're not real timely, but it's very easy to get on air, and I really appreciate people jumping in and doing that. Uh, Cole, thanks again for joining us for this one. Thank you so much, guys, and be safe out there. All right, we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.